This is the Building Resilience Podcast, episode 165, Fit Criteria for Chronic Pain and Illness. Welcome to Building Resilience, a podcast where theory, practical strategies, and inspiring stories show you how to unlock your best life. I'm your host, Leah Davidson. As a certified life coach, speech language pathologist, and nervous system resilience expert, it is my mission to teach you how to be more resilient to life's adversities. I will show you how to manage your mind, befriend your nervous system, process your emotions, and even eliminate stress. It's time to do more than just survive. It's time to thrive. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Building Resilience Podcast. I am happy to have you. And today, we are going to be continuing the topic of chronic pain and illness. So as I was re-listening to last week's podcast, as I usually do before I air it to check to make sure there's no glaring mishaps. I heard myself ask the question, so how do we know if it's neuroplastic pain? And then I went on and I talked more about what neuroplastic pain is or mind-body syndrome, as it's called by my teacher and mentor and one of the pioneers and leading specialists in the area, Dr. Howard Schubiner. But then the podcast was going to be so long, I decided to break it up and then I never circled back around to answer the question. So that is what we are going to be doing today. I'm going to draw very heavily from the work of Dr. Schubiner and share the criteria he gave us when I took his training several years ago. He actually created an acronym that I'm going to share with you to make it a bit easier. Now, like all of these podcast episodes, everything I share is not to be considered medical advice, and it's not to be considered speech-language pathology advice either. It does not replace any type of assessment you might need. It's not diagnostic in any way. It's simply is information that you could use to get curious about, to do your own research about, to explore, and I'm happy to share it. It's what I have learned, what I know, but then it really is up to you to do your own exploration and build your own knowledge. And in many cases, consult your own healthcare providers about your individual needs and situations. But this is taken from the protocol that Dr. Schubiner teaches. It's also very similar to what I learned when I got certified in pain reprocessing therapy. So I thought it would be helpful to share it here with you just to get your wheels turning. So last week, I talked about how there's a difference between acute and chronic pain. There are even different parts of the brain that are involved in acute and chronic pain. And as we talked about, pain becomes chronic after about three to six months after an injury or illness, as that's usually the amount of time required for healing to happen. Now, obviously, if you have acute pain, you need to go see somebody about it. You need to get medical attention. Go see your provider, see what they recommend. But then what happens if the pain continues? Or like we said last week, what happens if pain and symptoms simply appear out of the blue? Well, you still need to go see your medical provider. But I will offer it's helpful if you do go see someone who understands what neuroplastic pain is so that they're aware that this can be an option. Now, it is relatively new neuroscience, so not all medical providers are up to speed. So you may want to try to meet with somebody who is familiar with mind-body syndrome. That's a name that Dr. Schubiner gives it, but other names you might have heard it called is TMS or tension myostasis syndrome and psychophysiological disorder, or there's just neuroplastic pain. 
but you are seeing a medical provider with the goal to rule out any structural disorder. So according to Dr. Schubiner, many disorders are clearly mind-body, things like irritable bowel syndrome, which is what I suffered with, migraines and tension headaches, complex regional pain syndrome, fibromyalgia, POTS, myofascial pain syndrome, multiple chemical sensitivities, and irritable bladder syndrome. And then he says that many other conditions are usually mind-body, and there's just some simple tests that can rule out serious problems. And then he named a couple of these things, such as cases with chronic tendinitis, numbness, burning and tingling sensations, chest pains, palpitations, pelvic pain syndrome, insomnia, chronic abdominal pain, tinnitus, dizziness, repetitive strain injury, anxiety, depression, and chronic fatigue syndrome. So you can see why you don't want to just assume. You always do want to see a doctor. And then he also says for the majority of people with chronic neck and back pain, the correct diagnosis is usually mind-body syndrome. Although Dr. Schubiner says that few doctors, physical therapists, and chiropractors will be aware of this. As I said, it is a very new science. And as long as the x-rays and MRIs do not show things like a tumor, infection, inflammatory condition, or fracture, and if the neurological examination is normal to rule out nerve damage, then the presence of things like a degenerative disc or spurs or facet problems and bulging discs should not be interpreted to be causing the pain. So again, it's not medical advice. And remember, he is not saying that the pain and symptoms are not real, just that, that they are being caused by the brain. Now, I've worked with enough clients to know that this ruffles some feathers, and some people feel that by saying it's not structural, he must be saying it's not real, or that they interpret structural things as being more valid, or maybe they feel that it's dismissive to say things are mind-body. But if you ever meet Dr. Schubiner, you would see he is one of the kindest men, and he will adamantly say he's never suggesting that the pain and symptoms are not real. And I've even heard him say that would be cruel to suggest that. He's simply saying that we're attributing the body in many cases when we should be linking it to the brain. We need to be targeting the brain for treatment. So once a structural condition is ruled out, he says that one should look carefully at the symptoms to rule in a mind-body or neural pathway disorder. And in order to do this, he said, we can look at and try to understand the characteristics of neural pathways. And he offers that you can group these features of mind-body syndrome into three categories, functional, inconsistent, and triggered. So that is the fit criteria that we're going to be talking about. So let's break it down. These are the things we are looking for in order to rule in neuroplastic pain or mind-body syndrome. Now, functional. What this means is that the symptoms of mind-body syndrome do not fit with and are not explainable by known structural conditions. So symptoms can begin without a physical root or a known cause. Maybe they're occurring with no injury. Maybe you're just waking up in the morning, or maybe they're occurring during a certain time of stress. Then the symptoms persist after an injury has healed. Remember, we talked about the research last week that all injuries heal and things like scars do not cause pain. 
It could be that the symptoms are in a distribution pattern that is symmetric in the body and that mirror image on the left and the right side, which he says is very rare with structural pain. Could also be that symptoms occur on one whole side of the body or occur on like half the face or the head or the torso. Again, this doesn't fit into a pattern that corresponds to physical damage. The symptoms could spread over time to different areas of the body. The symptoms radiate to the opposite side of the body or maybe down a whole leg or a whole arm, unlike a nerve pain that would only affect a part of the arm or the leg where that nerve is located. The symptoms that occur in many different body parts all at the same time. Symptoms that have the quality of tingling, electric, burning, numb, hot, or cold, these are commonly mind-body, especially when there's no evidence for actual nerve damage, and symptoms that occur from a prior injury that has healed. So these are all the things that we're going to look for that fall under the functional criteria. The symptoms do not fit with and are not explainable by known structural conditions. Now, the eye stands for inconsistent. This means that the symptoms you feel may vary in ways that a structural condition would not. So for example, symptoms shift from one location in the body to another, either within hours or days or weeks at a time. Symptoms are more or less intense depending on the time of day, or maybe they'll occur first thing in the morning or in the middle of the night. Symptoms occur after, but not during activity or exercise. So think about it. A structural injury, it hurts whenever it's used, and it's better when it's rested. Symptoms could occur when one thinks about them or when somebody asks about them. Symptoms occur when stress is increased or when thinks about a stressful situation. The symptoms could be minimal or non-existent when you engage in a joyful or distracting activity, such as when you're on vacation or when you're not thinking about the symptoms. And that symptoms are minimal or non-existent after some kind of therapy, such as massage or chiropractic or Reiki or acupuncture, or maybe even a herbal or a vitamin supplement. Anything that calms the danger signal will tend to decrease the symptoms. This is an indicator that these symptoms are inconsistent. So this is a second criteria that we look at. When we see symptoms that are showing up as inconsistent, it's an indicator that they could be mind-body. And then lastly, in our acronym of FIT, triggered, T. This means that the symptoms are brought on by a stimuli that would not actually cause the symptoms physically, but they activate the brain to generate the symptoms. So for example, symptoms are triggered by things that are not related to an actual symptom. So food, smell, sound, light, computer screens, changes in weather. Weather actually has been shown in research to not increase pain, despite what most of us think. Or maybe they're triggered by specific movements. Symptoms can be triggered by the anticipation of stress, such as prior to school or work or a doctor's visit, a medical test, a visit to a relative or a social gathering or during those activities. Symptoms that are triggered by simply imagining engaging in the triggering activity, such as like bending over or turning your neck or sitting or standing. And this is actually a great exercise that he has to help diagnose mind-body because it confirms that the brain is creating the pain 
in the absence of actually performing the activity. So if you get pain by imagining doing the triggering activity, it's a good indicator that it's mind-body. Symptoms that are even triggered by a light touch or an innocuous stimuli such as the wind or cold. He says that often people with mind-body are overall sensitive to things like touch and light touch, and it doesn't actually affect the deeper part of the body where the pain is being felt, but they may have a symptom. Now, most people with mind-body have several of these features that make it easy to rule this condition in. And even if only one of the above characteristics is present, that could be enough to confirm the diagnosis of mind-body syndrome. It doesn't take a ton of evidence. So that is the FIT criteria, functional, inconsistent, and triggered. Now, in addition to the FIT criteria, Dr. Schubiner has highlighted some other common features of mind-body syndrome. Most people with mind-body syndrome have had significant amounts of stressful life events, especially in their childhood. Of course, he said this is not set in stone. Many people who have happy childhoods, quote unquote, will also get episodes of mind-body syndrome. It really is just part of being human. But if you did experience trauma in your early years, you are more likely to have had many different types of mind-body syndrome symptoms over the years. And when you see that someone has many symptoms over the years, then it is very likely that their current issues are also mind-body. Now, of course, assuming there's no clear and specific structural disorder, although it is possible that somebody just has one mind-body symptom. Now, the onset of mind-body syndrome usually occurs in connection with a significant life stressor, although again, this is sometimes not the case or the stressor can seem relatively small. So in all of this, we can really start to see how the nervous system is connected. Trauma, stressors, dysregulation brings on a lot of these symptoms. And lastly, like I mentioned last week, people who struggle with chronic pain or mind-body syndrome will often have certain personality traits. And we're gonna cover those in a future episode. Today, I just wanted to introduce you to the FIT criteria so you can play around with it. And remember, no judgment here. Many, many, many of us have these kind of symptoms. Probably, if not all of us have them. It is part of being human. It's part of having an incredible brain that can learn things and guess what? Can unlearn them too. All right, everyone. I hope you have a great week and I will see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Building Resilience Podcast. If you're interested in learning a little bit more about managing stress, building resilience, and leading a more purposeful life, then make sure we're connected on Instagram and Facebook at Leah Davidson Life Coaching. You can also subscribe to my weekly newsletter at www.leahdavidsonlifecoaching.com forward slash newsletter. Looking forward to connecting.